Pastor Chris and I have really been planning for today's message. If you came yesterday and you were blessed, that's good. I'm excited that you feel good. But right now, I just want to just go ahead and do a little stretch, okay? I need everyone stretching just a little bit. Maybe get a little stretch to the right. To the right. Maybe you got to stretch forward. If you're standing next to your spouse, maybe they need their their shoulders rubbed a little bit. Come on, we gotta get, we gotta get our bodies moving. We gotta get the blood circulating. And the reason, I'm trying to get you warmed up because how many of you know, you cannot go into a game cult. You can't go into a game and not be, have worked out, have not stretched those muscles. And I'm telling you that there's no joke intended. Marriage is a game and we want to win it. It should be a game that's fun to play. It should Amen. be a game that is exciting. You know, when we are winning, if you've ever played on a team outside of, you know, in sports, like Pastor loves sports analogies. Loves. We know that if you're part of a winning team, it's exciting, right? Amen. Amen. But you and your spouse are a winning team. Yes. I just want to tell you that. So that's why we want you to get ready. We want you to get excited. You guys can be seated. Listen, I just want to tell you this. Pastor is about to bring a message. And I'm just going to preface it by saying, you know, a good team, also a championship team, right, has a championship coach. And while Jesus is our ultimate coach, our pastor is here today, and he wants to pour some words of life into us from the word of God. But we also want to acknowledge that marriage can be tough. It can be hard, right? We had a beautiful time yesterday. We had great time uh, renewing our vows. It was such a beautiful moment. But we also went back to reality, like Pastor Todd preached about. And sometimes when you go back into your four walls of your home, or you just, you don't even have to get home. It could be on the drive home. It's funny how the enemy can, what we just sang about, can start making good things turn kind of real challenging kind of, I don't want to say bad, because that could be a bad thing to say. Marriage is not bad. It's a good thing. But it's real, right? We have real things. And lots of times, ladies, I'm just going to give us a little little, uh, encouragement. You know, we like to talk about our feelings a lot. We like to say, oh, you're not making me feel this way, or I feel this way, and I feel this, and I don't feel like you love me. I don't feel like you care about me like you used to when we were first married. But how many of us know that our feelings can be deceiving, Right? Can we, can we acknowledge that? Our feelings can be deceiving and they can lead us astray if we allow our feelings to dictate to us what we're thinking about instead of what God's word has to say about it. And the enemy wants to make you feel, wants to make me feel, wants to make us feel love, that he really isn't for us. That's true. And we know that he's not for us, but the world can make you feel like it's not for us. And we can start turning on one another. And so I want to encourage us as we're entering into today's teaching to be very attentive because, you know, these are all things we've heard before, but we have to practice. We have to keep putting this into practice. And we have to remember that our feelings can be deceiving, but what God's word says about who we are is of utmost importance. So we shouldn't let our feelings tell us who we are. We need to let God's word say who we are. And he says that what, two, what, what he has joined together, nobody can separate. What it's God true. has joined the two of us it's together, true. he is for our marriages. He desires our marriages blessed. And I'm excited just to take this season of our church and really dedicating it to passionately pursuing the Lord and passionately pursuing the most valuable relationship here on earth is, is with your spouse. Okay? Yes. So yes. let's get excited yes. for what pastor has. We're going to have a little bit of fun. Thanks, love. 
man, I tell you what, uh, I can totally relate to what Pastor Melissa said, that you have a beautiful time investing in your marriage, you get all excited, and then you go home and snap back to reality. Whoop, there goes gravity, right? It's like, you come back down there, some of you are going, never mind if you don't know the song. It's better you don't know it, but I love music. Come on, how many of us love music? How many of you know that music evokes something in us? We can't help but just feel a certain way when we hear music, and I can remember getting to that point. Maybe we all can. We can remember getting to that point and saying to ourselves, you know, I'm ready for that next step. I'm ready for commitment. I'm ready to experience love. I am so ready. And, and it's not exactly as ready as you thought you were, but at the time, it sounded great. You end up sounding more like Justin Bieber because you were that, like that age, you know, when you first decided you wanted... you'd always be mine, right? And then, but, but there's just something special about getting that girl or that guy and, and, and it just makes everything feel good. No matter what's happening in the world, you just feel great. Come on now. Or my guy? Did you say don't sing? <laughs> you gotta sing with us. I thought she said don't sing. I was like, that's impossible. But, but I, I was gonna say, you know, I can remember, I don't know about you, I want you to think about your story. I can remember the night where I knew something special. You could feel it in the air. It was kinda like, You go, really, Pastor? I thought you were more of a guy's guy. No, listen, I came down to visit Pastor Melissa. I was in college and I took her out on a date and I didn't tell her parents we were going to a midnight showing of the Lion King right here in downtown Bastrop. And so it finished like at two in the morning and I think they called the cops. They were so upset that we didn't tell them where we were going, but I could feel the love. As a matter of fact, it's like I couldn't help it. Thank you. But I can't help falling in love. Come on, do you remember those days? Elvis Presley. You say, what do you mean you couldn't help it? You can always help it. You know what? You know how I knew I could help it? Because I was actually doing something. You were actually doing something. She was actually doing something. We were always, we were always what? Maybe sounding more like Stevie Wonder. To say Come on now, you know the song. And we'd stay up talking on the phone for hours, just listening to each other breathe, having the, you hang up, no, you hang up. 
remember those days? I mean, it was amazing. You think, wow, we keep falling deeper and deeper in love. Nothing, nothing can keep us apart because there ain't no... Do you remember? I wanna, I wanna harken back to those days. I want your heart to connect with those times. What were you doing? How did you feel? Nothing could stop you. I mean, I can remember saying, I will walk to see her, because I didn't have a car. I would walk to see her. As a matter of fact, I used to take a Greyhound bus. I'd take a Greyhound bus, and I can remember leaving Austin, Texas at about 11.30 at night, getting to Waco around 2.30, 3.30, 3 in the morning, because you take all those stops, and I'm in downtown Waco getting dropped off at the bus station, having my suitcase, going home, and the cops pull up. Woo! They're like, what are you doing? This is before Joanna Gaines. Like, this is before Chip and Joanna's fixer-upper. And I just told them, remember those days. I mean, they were amazing. I would do anything. And then I got to the point where I would just say, you know what? Because I'm in love. Let's just deal with it. I'm in love. And it goes more like this. Remember those days? Do you remember? I can remember being in love in that way. The truth is I want to stay in love that way. I want to remain in love that way. I can remember thinking, okay, I'm doing this because all I need is love. No one told me you need money too. You know what I mean? But you think all you need is love. And then you get to the point where you say, I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna ask the question. You know what I mean? And you pray to God, she says, what? I can remember standing there in that little church where we grew up saying, I do, and saying, yes, we will love each other forever. Come on, this is for my country folks in the room. From the depths of my soul, it's beyond my control. If you're asking, do I love you this much? I do. But it's not long before the pressure of this world starts creeping in, trying to tear you apart. I'm talking real pressure. Come on.
under pressure. That pressure drives you apart. And you think it's the end. You think that's it. I can't handle it anymore. But what really hurts the most is not knowing that I was just trying to love you. I gotta keep my country folks engaged. Never, never knowing what could have been. Not seeing that loving you is what I was trying. We're just trying to love each other. How did things get so bad? It's not long before you really start getting at each other. And you're like chunking grenades. Come on. You've been there. You start chunking some serious grenades. Understand is I'd launch a grenade at ya. And isn't that what we end up going like? Man, I just want to. Uh, I'm so done. No one ever told us it would be this hard. You know what I'm talking about? You can't have a melody without Coldplay. Don't you ever feel that way? Can I just get back to where we started from? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. Let's get back to where we started from. Can you Dougie to this? I want to get back to where we started from, guys. Because the truth is, we've got a lot to offer, and love is worth it. Amen? Love is so worth it. And I, I want to share with you, there's a theme there that things are well for a moment, but then the pressure begins to build. We talked a little bit about that pressure yesterday, but I, wanna, I just want to unpack it a little deeper and say, you know what? Some of us are under a lot of pressure in our marriage because the enemy is coming against us. He's coming against us in so many different ways. And what he's trying to do is have us turn the tables. Turning the tables is an expression used of changing momentum. He has things, when you first fall in love and you first give yourselves to love, Pastor Jimmy said there is a uh, instinctual romance in each and every one of us. I like to say there is that, that period of grace 
You say, well, everything's grace, but there's that little period that God gives you when you first get saved, when you first get engaged, when you first come together. It's, it's he's saying this, I want you to taste and to see how good I am. And once I show you how good I am, then I want you to grow with me. I want you to learn to walk with me. And so how many of us can remember first being saved? And I love having people that I bring to the Lord pray for things because things start to move when a young Christian prays. Have you ever noticed that? Like God has a certain grace he gives them. Do you realize that when you first come together, there's that certain little bit of grace that God gives you to do things the right way. Why? So that love can spark, so that love can grow, so that he can set yourself up for the, for the blessing that he has in store. But at some point he says, okay, now I'm going to take the training wheels off. Come on. And I want you to learn to walk in faith. I want you to know what it's like to have a relationship with me. Because if I don't, then you're going to take it for granted. And that's when the enemy steps in, right at that point where you're supposed to be going towards God and he tries to turn the tables. Can you remember when you used to think about his needs, ladies? Can you remember when... You used to, guys, think about her needs and look at things from her side. And now the enemy wants you to sit at your table thinking about me, myself, and I. We're talking about pressure. You know, the dictionary says that pressure is the exertion of force upon something. So the enemy's bringing this force upon something. What is it bringing it? What, what is he coming against? He's coming against your marriage. Can we just decide that from the beginning? God said that marriage is good, and every time God says something is good, the enemy says, I'll see about that. If God has called something good, he wants to tear it down. Can I tell you, he wants to tear your marriage apart. Why? Because God loves it, and God wants to bless it. So let's look at the second definition, to force toward a particular end. Where is he trying to force you to? He's trying to force you toward selfishness. He's trying to force you to turning away from each other instead of turning towards each other. He's trying to force you towards divorce. That's division. To divorce, to, 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 to say I no longer want God's plan for my life. I've, I've admitted defeat. He wants you to admit defeat. So I looked up force because force kept being used. And force means the strength or power exerted upon an object. The strength or power exerted upon an object. Another definition is this, strength, energy, power, or intensity possessed by a living being. Can I tell you, we face a formidable opponent in the enemy. We do. I'll talk way more about it next week, but for now, can we just say he uses this pressure to drive a wedge, to really, now, and you might be saying, but pastor, I'm, I'm okay with that, um, because Pastor Todd reminded me that I might be under pressure, but that's because God has planted me. Can I get an amen? God has planted me. I'm totally okay. I'm fine. But can I tell you something? Your marriage was not made to live under pressure. Your marriage was made to live under blessing. Because pressure exposes your weaknesses. Pressure exposes your vulnerabilities. Pressure shows the enemy where he can attack further. 
You say, whoa, wait a minute. See, I remember a, a good friend of mine, Judge McDonald, we used to play basketball. He wasn't a very good shooter. I'm just gonna be honest. Where's Jamie? Jamie knows he wasn't a very good shooter and he's my friend, huh? Yeah, Jamie's a good shooter, but Judge wasn't. So he, he relied on his defense. And he would say, if I put enough defense on you and I put enough pressure on you, I'm gonna have you crack up. Pressure will bust your pipes. Like, I don't know if I want my pipes busted, but pressure will bust the pipes. What, is it? what he meant was you put enough pressure on somebody, they'll begin to show their weaknesses and they'll be exposed and they'll begin to what? To crack under that pressure. Can I tell you, some of us are thinking uh, wrong about pressure because we tend to think, well, pressure is good because pressure makes a diamond and pressure. But can I tell you, some of us are helping the enemy too much. What do I mean by that? Yes, there's certain pressures that the world and the enemy will bring and you can't do anything about that. But what if you're inviting him into your home? What if you're opening the door? What if you're putting a sign in the front yard, say, hey, come attack me and I've, I let you in the back door? What if you're week after week, month after month, year after year making bad decisions? then that's the kind of pressure that doesn't make a diamond, it crushes a diamond. Can I show you this little video real quick? Watch this. So now we are gonna get to the final test. We are gonna really try or test the tenacity of this diamond. You have some of the women crying right now. So, you see that the diamond tenacity is not the strongest of the earth. What is the point of the video? It's to show you that yes, pressure makes a diamond, but it's not enough to say, oh, I'm under pressure, it's totally okay. Not if you're piling that pressure on yourself, you're gonna crush your marriage. Because it's not the way God intended you to live. It's not the way God intended you to be refined and made into something special. No, you're inviting, we don't need the enemy, we don't need to be helping the enemy is what I'm trying to say. How many of you know that the hardest game to lose is the game where you beat yourself. It's something if your opponent just beats you. Anybody play sports at all? Anybody follow a sporting team? When the team op opposing you just beats you, whether you go, they were better than me. But what if God has said, you have everything needed to succeed, but you beat yourself? That's a hard pill to swallow right there. And that's exactly what we have to be careful of. Don't help the enemy out. So let's get specific. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Where do you think we're helping him out? Well, I think there's three areas that he really likes to bring pressure and he likes to get our help with it. He likes for us to make goofy mistakes, decisions, and give him more of a foothold to open the door, to let him in. And that's the area of money, sex, and time. Now, some of my guys are thinking, okay, good. He's going to tell me how to get more time so I can make more money and have more sex. <laughs> awesome. No, no. 
what I'm going to share with you is that oftentimes we make really goofy mistakes when it comes to money, and we add to the pressure ourselves. Do you know that's one of the leading causes of divorce is financial strain? Jesus spoke more about financial issues than he did about heaven and hell, because this is where you live. You go, okay, well, what kind of things do I do? How about this? The Bible warns heavily against covetousness. Covetousness is a lustful desire, a a seed that grows up where you want what the world has. And if you get to that point, the world will always draw you to spend more than you have, to buy things you don't need, to impress people you don't know or care about. Think about that with me for a second. So covetousness can go to misusing of of debt. Now you're in debt. You go, I don't worry about that. Sooner or later, you got to pay the piper. Sooner or later, it comes up. You say, well, pastor, what does the Bible say? The Bible says that the debtor, listen to me, is a slave to the lender. What does that mean? I mean, you are putting your family in slavery if you are misusing debt. Number two, number two, good financial practices. Don't help the enemy out by being uh, um, lazy in knowing what you owe to who you owe, how much you owe, and how much they're charging you for what you owe. Whoa, what do you mean by that? The one thing I have learned when counseling young couples or just couples in period that are in debt and having financial issues is they've never taken the time to sit down and to write down every single bill, exactly what the balance is, exactly how much the interest is on that balance, exactly how much the payment is, and exactly how, when they intend to pay it off at the current pace. You go, why, this, why is that important? Because nine times out of 10, the couples that aren't keeping up with it have way underestimated what they owe and how long it's going to take them to get out of debt. Well, the reason we don't look at it is because that provides pressure. I like to keep my head in the sand. I'm not going to touch that. I'm going to share with you that the minute you see that is the minute you can begin to work hand in hand to turn the tables back on the enemy and to say, this is our plan. This is our snowball. This is what we're going to do. Know how much they're charging you. Know, get, get savvy. You say, pastor, you're not giving me enough. You're going to have to go out and get educated. Get discipled in this area if you want to learn. You go, what's another area? How about sex? Now, yesterday, Pastor Jimmy said what? When it comes to sex, you have this huge, big yard. You can go anywhere in this big yard. Get creative. If it's not what? Explicitly forbidden or, or if it's not forbidden by God's word and it doesn't hurt your, your spouse, and you guys can agree upon it, and it's enjoyable, then go for it. Can I just add some warnings to that? Because we live in 2020, and I don't think we need to be telling people, uh, uh, I shouldn't say that that way, because I I respect Pastor Jimmy to the nth degree, and that's not what I'm saying. What, What I'm trying to say is this, there was once a time in our culture when we needed to say, hey, um, You don't just have to have sex once a month for the purpose of getting pregnant. You can use it to enjoy and to draw closer connections. That was once what we had to deal with as pastors. Can I tell you now, the cat's out of the bag and 
and the children of God are trying to live like the world and we're having to warn them that the devil is a liar. Let me, t- let me put it to you this way. So you have a couple come up and say, oh, you know what? This isn't hurting anyone. This isn't, this isn't something that we disagree on. This isn't something that, that we should feel ashamed about. Let's go out and bring this object into having sex. And where are you going to get the object? Who's going to go after it? What are they going to see while they're there? What are the temptations and Pandora's boxes are you going to open up? Now you got it in, and the enemy's told you it doesn't hurt. Yeah, it doesn't hurt in that moment, but what is being established and what trap is he laying for two years down the road? What kind of lustful intention was the creator of that object having in mind when he created it, and now you bring it into your home, and you think it's not going to hurt? Can I tell you something? Already he's driving a division between you and your spouse because the, the wife wants to please her husband, but she doesn't feel better about it. The husband thinks, oh man, this is okay. I got to make sure she keeps staying okay, so now I got to keep manipulating her to keep doing Meanwhile, she's feeling worse and worse and worse, and she's beginning to resent you. And this is the trap the enemy is working. Meanwhile, you think you're totally okay. Can I help somebody? Can someone say amen? Pastor, amen. What I'm trying to get you to understand is this is what we believe in this church. This is what I teach. This is what I want you to understand. You live a spiritual life, and if you are alive spiritually by the power of Jesus Christ, then you have the beautiful, awesome Holy Spirit that you should ask, Holy Spirit, what do you think? How do you feel? I'm going to pray about this before I introduce anything and begin to experiment and explore and do this and this and that. I'm going to make sure that you are guiding me because I walk by you. Oh my goodness. I walk by the Spirit and not by sight. Can I get an Amen. You say, well, what about time? I I, want to move off of sex because you're shutting things down, pastor. No, I'm not shutting things down. I'm saying, be careful. The enemy is slick. He's slick. He's slick. You say, well, how do I get past this? You say, "Well, well, let me just say one more thing. Men have been addicted to pornography at the rate of 70% of Christian men. That's 10 guys, seven of them. So ladies, be very careful. If your husband has, exp- has experienced victory in this area, be careful what you guys do that you don't open up that door again. Amen? Now let's go to time. Because the truth is, time is a serious constraint in our lives. And that's what pressure is. Pressure is when you don't have enough of something and it begins to constrain, it begins to tighten, it begins to really build. And, and, and I guess the way I want, to, um, I want to illustrate this is with a little game we're all familiar with. Come on, how many of you have ever seen uh, musical chairs? Have you ever played musical chairs with like um, a youth group? It is crazy. Like we played musical chairs once and we almost killed three kids. We almost maimed five others. It was like we had to sign release forms to do musical chairs. And the kids start fighting for chairs and they're, they're launching their bodies. And, and then my, my daughter, Evelyn, you got to watch her. She is so good. She'll grab the chair. She'll yank it right under you, leave you to fall on the ground. I saw this once. So there's a couple, right? 
And, and, and this was early on in our youth ministry. The guy pulls it out, happens to be his girlfriend. She goes, she jumps to fall on the chair and she goes. And, she, and he goes, I got you. And I'm looking at them going, you are so dumb. You are so broken up. You just don't know it yet. You are so broken up. You just do not even get the, the sense yet, guy. Because, because musical chairs is about what? Do what, you remember? You start the song. Dum, 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 da, da, dum, dum. Dum, 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 da, da, dum, dum. Oh, you thought I was going to go with under pressure. No, I'm going with stop, collaborate, and listen. <laughs> Some of you are going, man, he grew up in the 90s. Yeah, I did. Ice Ice Baby took that same beat, but it's good. And it's like, dum, 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 da, da, dum, dum. And everybody's getting antsy. That's what the enemy wants. He wants you to be antsy towards each other. Anyone ever been there where you start turning towards each other, against each other and you start building that pressure and this is what's happening. You're heightening your, your selfish nature. Saying, how do I get over? How do I guard myself? How do I look after my needs? Because at any moment, someone's going to jump. And as soon as someone jumps and that music stops and everybody goes for it. And that's the worst place to be in a relationship. Let me, let me, let me share with you why and how. He wants to turn these tables. So there's this, there's this, um, there's this chart I created called starts with appreciate one another. When you appreciate each other, that leads you to being selfless, or it leads to selflessness. Selflessness is really about the other person, so you start caring, you start being considerate about the other person. Can I remind you that's the way you used to be? When God gave you that little bit of instinctual grace of relationship, all you thought about was the other person. I can remember Pastor Melissa calling me and saying, hey, what you doing? Like, oh, nothing, baby, just talking to you. I'm so glad you called. No, I didn't need anything. I just called to, to just, just, just hear your voice. I'm so glad you did. I could listen to your voice all day long. What happened between she calls, hey, love, I go, yeah, what's up? Well, um, I just called to see how you're doing. Do you need anything? Because... Am I the only one? What happened? There's pressure building up. I'm trying to accomplish. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. But, but, but you want to be at the place of caring, kindness. This builds trust. This shows her. This shows him that you're important, that you're my number one priority, that you can trust me. I'm going to take care of your needs. I'm not going to let you fall. But the moment you start acting in selfishness, it's the opposite of love. And you go to self-preservation. I got to look after my needs. I got to sit at my table. I got to look at things my way. Why? Well, you don't know who I'm married to. All they think about is themselves. I'm tired of being a doormat. I'm tired of being the one always giving. I'm tired of being the one that's constantly. Well, you just keep thinking that and you're playing into the enemy's game. Because the enemy wants to put enough pressure so that, so that you Reverse your momentum that God gave you. God gives every relationship a momentum boost. The enemy wants to reverse it. Trust be broken. You know what happens when you build trust? I totally give myself, whoa. I totally can fall back 
and expect my partner to catch me. But what if my partner gets busy doing her thing? Bam, I hit. Am I going to trust like that again? And so one researcher put it this way. You have a love bank. And when you're moving in the right direction, you're depositing into that love bank. And the more deposits you have, the more trust you build up, the more confidence, the more momentum, the more you can mess up and not have it affect your relationship. But what happens if you are bankrupt? And you're at wit's end and your ends are frayed. This is what's happening. As soon as Pastor Melissa does anything to me, or as soon as Melissa does anything to me, I'm going to be on her. Because I have no emotional currency built up. She has no emotional currency built up with me. And so we have to be careful not to get into this spiral. See, how do I do that? Well, number one is we got to learn to study. Study and learn. What do we mean by study and learn? I mean, learn what your spouse is all about. Learn the differences between genders. Learn the differences between personalities. You know, corporate uh, America spends millions of dollars trying to teach their employees the difference between personalities just in hopes that they would get along better and they could be a better team. We have to learn our differences in personalities, the differences between men and women. You say, yeah, is that important? Yeah, it is important. Guys are different from girls. When was the last time you were at a, a big uh, gathering with a lot of couples and you saw a guy stand up and go, hey guys, fellas, I'm going to the restroom. Would you like to come? <laughs> David, you want to come to the restroom with me? <laughs> Phillips, let's go to the restroom. <laughs> oh, you'd be like, heck no, dude. And wash your hands. <laughs> right? But, but what you wouldn't think twice if a lady stands up and goes, they don't even have to talk. It's like they know. Oh, you're going to the restroom? I'm coming with. <laughs> Next thing you know, they all get up and go. Then they come back and they're all talking. And, and guys have a hard enough time because of the way we're built. We, we got to focus so hard. Like, I don't even know what Rick's saying because there's so many ladies talking. <laughs> and Rick's like, you know what I mean? And I'm like, I think I do. And it's so funny because the girls will all be talking to each other and they hear us struggling and they'll turn around and go, no, baby, it's because this and that. Remember this, 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 that. They can handle our conversation, their conversation, and the conversation of the people next door too. You say, how does that help? Ladies, you got to slow down for us. <laughs> Pastor Jimmy said something that, that I do agree with, but I'm going to kind of add my spin on it. He said, You've got to be able to meet each other's needs. That's number two. He said, meet your spouse's needs and desires, right? Before they tell you. Can I tell you? It doesn't work for men. You got to just flat out tell us. But guys, can I help you? Can I help you? You got to learn. If they're still telling you 20 years down the road, we got to probably see some of my girls are going, yep. Okay, ladies, write it down. <laughs> write it down, put it on the mirror. What I'm trying to say is, hey, we've got to study, but we've got to learn so that we can meet each other's needs. Well, what kind of needs do we have? We have very different needs. According to His Needs, Her Needs, one of my favorite books, it's a book by Willard Harley, 
He says that, that women's needs and men's needs don't match up. They're completely different. And there's a reason for that. God wanted you to do this instead of doing this. So he wanted you to compliment one another. And the reason you compliment each other is because you're different. Or because you're different is the reason you compliment one another. So I'm just going to go over some of these, these needs that are different from a, men's pers- from a man's perspective. A man desires respect, number one. Respect. Pastor Jimmy talked a little bit about that admiration, respect. You'll do a foolish, you'll do something stupid. What did he say? Slide down a hill of razor blades to land in a pool of lemon juice just to hear one idiot say, yeah, you're the man. He'll get up and do it again. I'm sorry, but that's what I call bull riding. You're just not supposed to get on a bull. That's the city boy talking though. You know, but, but somebody claps for you, go do it again. It's, it's nuts. How about, how about their second need is sex? Can I get an amen, brothers? It's a deep-rooted need. You heard Pastor Chris say it, and I quote, second need in a man's life, sex. Friendships, number three. Domestic supports, number four. An attractive spouse, number five. Can I say that we're supposed to remain attractive for each other if you want to keep it going in the right direction. You say, Pastor, but, but people get older and things start to, <laughs> I mean, things start to kind of, you know, just, they don't stay where they're supposed to stay. No, this is what this means. It means you're supposed to be the best version of you you can be. Say that again. Be the ve- best version of you you can be. Say, oh, well, that's just because they want somebody else. No, they don't want anybody else. Ladies, can I tell you, your man wants you. And he married you for a reason. And everything about you is hot to them. He loves it. He desires you. Be the best version of you. Guys, be the best version of you you can be. The other day, I ran into four turkeys on my, on my you say real turkeys? Yes, real turkeys. <laughs> and they, they, they were trying to keep me from jogging and doing my morning run. I'm like, you ain't have, nuh-uh. Pastor Melissa done told me, she's tired of me looking chunky. I need to get with it. I need to get with it. So I almost, I almost took out one of those turkeys. Um, what other needs do women have? Women have a need for security. Security. They want to know they can trust you. They want to know you're not going to let them fall. And go, ha, ha, ha. As you sit while they're on the ground. That you're not going to, you go, wait, wait, I'm having trouble putting that into every day. They want to know that golf is not more important than your time with them. People ask me all the time, Pastor, why don't you play golf? Because I'm far too busy to take five hours out of my family day and give it to you, Turkey. I'm, I'm sorry, to you guys. <laughs> I'm going to spend that time with my wife. You go, man, you're just killing. What in the world are you doing, Pastor? Shut up. I knew I liked this guy until he starts meddling. He starts meddling. I just... No, some of you are having a good time because you don't golf, but maybe you fish. But they want to know you put them first. They want to know that they can trust you to have their back security. Number two is affection. 
Now, I know some of my guys are like, I got you, pastor. There's no shame in my game. I got, I got this. I know how to show affection. Just the other day, I walked by, I go, love that big butt. I got this. This is my, this is my game right here. I can speak all kinds of love languages. I'm multilingual, pastor. Can I tell you, that's not exactly what I learned that the hard way. I come by, I go, what's up, baby? Man, that butt's big, nice, I like it. She's like, excuse me? You touch me again, I'm gonna. I'm like, come on, girl. Can I tell you something else? Ladies, you have to understand your man too. This is how, why it's important to understand each other. A guy doesn't want a mother. He wants someone attractive to him, but someone that he can be friends with, someone he can be tight with, someone he can experience companionship with. So next time, ladies, your guy comes up to you, you need to say, what's up, baby? You need to be like, now I'm the lady. This is, this is Pastor Chris. I'm Pastor Melissa. Do this to your man next time. What's up, baby? See if they might be like, whoa, I just feel exploited. What happened there? I don't know. I don't know if I like that. But, but guys, we have to understand that we didn't marry a buddy. We married a wife. And while one of our needs might be to have companionship, you got to understand her need too. And her need is to have affection. What is affection? Care, concern, warmth, appreciation, a gentle touch. With, and this is something, girls, I can preach till the cows come home and, and they'll never learn that affection <laughs> doesn't lead to sex. <laughs> At least not in that moment. If you want to be in heaven by 11, you've got to start before seven. That means take the entire day. I'll never forget a message I heard by, by Zig Ziglar who said, me and the redhead have loved each other for a lifetime. And, and this always struck me because he said, we've never argued in our 50 some years and I thought yeah that ain't realistic in a Mexican household because we're going to argue but what I can do is this I can learn from him because that's the point we got to learn from each other and this is what he said he would take little notes and he would write it to his wife and he would put them in different places and the and the scavenger hunt would start in the beginning in the morning. She would go and she'd find that first little note. Then she'd go, ooh. She'd find the second little note. It would lead her to the third little note. And these notes were scattered throughout her day. And then she, he said, by the time the evening came, it was on. <laughs> so you've got to put some time into it, guys. Understand her needs. Her needs are security, affection, intimate conversation, openness and honesty. And lastly, family commitment. She wants to know that you put her children first, that you put your children first. Amen. Number three, speak each other's love language. You might say, well, I don't, I didn't even know there was a love language. Well, the love languages are up here. Words of affirmation. Are words important to your spouse? Are gifts important to your spouse? Oh yeah, she's expensive. She is expensive. She's beautifully and wonderfully made by the hand of God. Don't ever forget that. But so is your husband, ladies. 
acts of service, quality time, physical touch. You say, I wanna know more about those. I don't have time, I've got five minutes, but I will tell you this, Gary Chapman, Dr. Gary Chapman writes a beautiful book called The Love Languages. You can read that. Remember, we're supposed to learn. We're supposed to put your spouse first is number four. How do I do that? Be attentive. Don't just sit at your table. Come over to their table. See what makes them tick. Learn. You say, Pastor, but every time I think I know my spouse, she changes. Anyone there? I can't ever figure out my wife's mind. It kind of reminds me of, of that, 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 that story of a man who walked right before the Lord and the Lord wanted to do something special for him and says, says you know what, I, I want to grant you one wish. And the man says to God, he says, I've, I've always wanted to travel to Hawaii, but I don't like flying. So I was wondering if you could make me a highway from here to Hawaii. He said, I mean, you know how much that would cost? We're in a down economy, son. Think of something else. The man says, okay, let me think about it. He thinks, he thinks, he thinks. He says, I got it. Lord, I wish that I would understand my wife. And God says, how do you want the highway? <laughs> One lane or two. The truth is, you might be thinking, God doesn't understand ladies. They're different. You're right, they are different. And sometimes it's as different as this little example I'm about to show you. How to win your wife. So we're gonna talk about how to win your wife and how to win your husband. You don't have to do much, you just have to dine her, call her, hug her, support her, hold her, surprise her, compliment her, smile at her, listen to her, talk to her, laugh with her, cry with her, romance her, believe in her, cuddle her, shop with her, and pay for the shopping for her. Be patient with her, buy her jewelry and give her flowers, hold her hand, write her love letters, go to the ends of the earth and back again for her. It's all you gotta do. <laughs> Ladies, how to win your husband. Show up naked and bring food. <laughs> hey, the food is optional. <laughs> so be attentive, be creative, be supportive but also be selective. Selective means not any old thing will do. And then lastly, this is where I finish. You gotta work. You gotta work. What do we mean by work? I think some of us think it's easy to be married. It's the hardest thing you ever do because God uses it to make you more like his son, Jesus. And to be like Jesus is no easy task. It takes work. What do I mean by that? I mean, you gotta pray for your marriage. And I'm not talking about any half-hearted prayer like, fix her, Lord. God, how long will I put up with this jerk? No, I'm talking about log some hours. How many hours have you logged for your marriage in prayer? You go, oh, pastor, I don't believe in that. I believe that four minutes with the Lord can be like four hours with God. This is baloney. You want to know what, what, what Pastor John Wesley believed? If you were going to minister under him and help change America, you were going to pray for four hours minimum as a young pastor. And their ministry changed America forever. It was part of the, one of the great awakenings. You want to awaken love in your marriage? Pray like you mean it. Work. Work. 
Work for it. Work at it. If it's one of the most important things in your life, how much time do you give it? I, saw, I know guys that go out and get all kinds of lessons, log all kinds of time for their golf swing. How many times have you had an expert watch you and check you out and say, you're doing this wrong, you need to tweak this, you need to do this, you need to, let's go buy some new equipment for romance. Not the bad stuff we were talking about. <laughs> like, buy some flowers. Buy some chocolates. Let me find out what's important to her. Get her those new Kendras. Uh-oh. Oh, but I, I, I kind of wanted to buy a new lure. Forget the lure. This is a much better lure if you're fishing for what I think you want to fish for. Do you, do you see what I'm saying, guys? How about ladies? Spend less time on the phone. Spend less time shopping. Spend less time doing your, and, and invest in your relationship. It takes work. I mean, this is something that I always, I always get frustrated with. With, with families, I'm like, come on, stop being sissies. The enemy's kicking your butt, and if you want to succeed, you got to work for it. You got to fight for it. You got to get in there. Look, my children may know that we're not perfect, but the one thing I also want them to know, I don't quit. I don't care how bad it gets. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep loving. I'm going to keep pursuing. I'm going to keep changing. I'm going to keep adapting. I'm going to keep understanding. I'm going to keep growing. I'm going to keep my marriage. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to become an expert in marriage. I'm going to work. So this is where we finish. As our prayer partners come up, I just, I want you to put a little work in right now. I want you to come up and really pray. You say, oh, pastor, I don't know if I, no, 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 pray. Log some time with the Lord. Start calling on the name of the Lord for your wife. Guys, what if we blessed our wives every day, praying an hour for her, what would that change? Rather than complaining an hour. Girls, ladies, what if we prayed for our husbands? What have we prayed for ourselves to be the kind of spouse they need? I'm going to ask you right here, right now, as the worship team starts playing, to just come up. Don't let anything stop you. I want to see this, this altar full of people just praying for, them, for their marriages. Determine, I'm, I'm willing to put in the work. I'm willing to study. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to implement. I'm willing to become an expert at marriage. It's that important. It's that important. I'm going to ask you to just come up. I'm going to keep preaching if y'all don't come up. Let's all stand. I love you, Foundation.